where nobody knows your name is still not filmed in front of anybody. We're back for part two of The Improbable Dream. Guest starring Robin Colcord. Roger Reese is back, James. <laughs> it's a very Welsh name because he's a Welsh man. We kicked off the last episode ending with a to be continued. And a week later, on the 28th of September, 1989, it does continue. The cold open, though. We get a cold open before we get the recap. And uh, this is due in a month. It's a lovely cold open. It's quite wholesome. Surprisingly so. She comes in and she goes, the baby, it's got elbows. Uh, and it was elbowing me. She offers to the guys to touch my belly. They find it a weird offer. I thought it was a weird offer too, because I didn't think Lilith uh, was close enough to, to normal Cliff. I suppose it does show how far uh, integrated Fraser at least is within the bar. And especially in the last few seasons, Lilith's there a fair few times. Yeah. I mean, Sam took her driving and taught her how to drive. I tried to. <laughs> So I think they're forming quite good attachments with the bar and, and the patrons in it. Like, this is entirely hypothetical, but say there was a local bar where uh, there was a woman who I recognised a few times, I knew her family or whatever, and I knew that her pregnancy was due just out of, you know, the, the amount of time that she'd come in over several months, and she was holding her belly, and I went up and went, can I touch your belly? Yeah, it's... it's uh, I don't think that would be appropriate. So that's why I was surprised that Lilith went, guys, touch my belly, the baby's moving. And uh, they had the same reaction as me. They were like, really? Because Carla, when she was pregnant, was just like, everyone, back off, you know? She didn't change much when she was pregnant, Carla. No, she's always been very sort of self-assured. Her character yeah. hasn't wavered much, really. That's true. Maybe the first time she became pregnant, she was, she was surprised. And then after that, she went, eh. The magic gets lost after. <laughs> after eight kids, yeah. The, the magic of, of this all is quickly overshadowed by Fraser's rumbling stomach because he just is a bit hungry. <laughs> There's a bit more action going on there. <laughs> I think Woody Harrelson plays this incredibly well, where you see his interest sort of slowly turn to the point where his hand just reaches out and touches Fraser's belly. <laughs> <laughs> they all crowd round Fraser and, and uh, enthralled by the magic of life. It's a sweet moment. My stomach doesn't rumble as such, but it sounds like a cat crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when a cat doesn't know where you are, and it's it just kind of does this weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's the sound my stomach makes when it's hungry. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. The magic of life, James. Before we move away from the cranes, because this is the cold open, and I don't think they get much light in the rest, at least not with this story. We hear that their baby is uh, about a month away from being born. So, James, this is a little prediction. Yeah. I think a mid-season birth. Ooh. That's a little prediction. Uh, mm. I've looked at the episode titles. You, uh, you might be a little... Uh, Little I'm trying to think of the medical term. Wrong. <laughs> Might be a little little wrong there, John. I've got that diagnosis a few times. You're just uh, wrong. <laughs> well, either way, James, I'm tentatively looking forward to the birth of uh, the crane's baby. Yeah, baby crane. Yeah. It will definitely be this season. I haven't looked at the episode titles. I haven't watched ahead. So I'm looking forward to it. Sounds like it's going to be soon. Yeah, it's pretty soon. Back into the main episode, James, and this is where we kick off straight after the be continued of last week. They don't hold back. They go straight in with it. They give a little recap, which we haven't seen in years. Like the last recap I could remember would be maybe Strange Bedfellows, perhaps? 
Maybe. I, 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 was, uh, I don't want to say I was disappointed with this recap, but there used to be a certain flair to the recaps on Cheers. It, like, it uh, was with Coach. Coach was an unreliable narrator, <laughs> wasn't he? <laughs> we got that lovely one of Coach doing like the playoff of the previous episode with uh, Semenko, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. But we also got that lovely sort of recap, which was Woody doing uh, a message home on his audio tape. Yeah, Cliff. Doing it as slides. We also got yeah. a lovely one as well, which was uh, the exterior shots of all of their homes, of them going home from the night before, telling yeah. their spouses, like Cliff's Ma or Vera. Do you think that as uh, Shears, the establishment within the show, is becoming mm. more commercialized because it's been taken over by the Lillian Corporation? Shears, the show, is becoming more commercial and less local and uh, less homegrown with these, with these quirks. It's a hard one. I don't know. I mean, we talked to Ken Levine a while back and he said that the show got off with a lot more risks in the early days with mm-hmm. some of the episodes. And I guess that playfulness in the recaps was something that was a little bit risky. But yeah, I was disappointed there wasn't a more creative recap. But nevertheless, we do find ourselves in Rebecca's office. Sam's covered in booze in a cupboard. <laughs> and uh, Haven't we all, John? <laughs> and we've got Robin Colcord, who has just stepped into the bar to meet Rebecca, to talk to her. And what's he got to say, James? Yes, well, anyway, Miss Howe, I'm here because I've received several of your letters. Oh, I don't believe they got to you. Oh, well, I have a male secretary who uh, likes the pictures of yourself you enclose, and I appreciate your business sense. Really? Oh, yes, Howard was especially enamoured of the uh, shot of you in the form-fitting business suit, licking an envelope. <laughs> no, no, I meant the business sense part. Oh, yes, regarding my South End property. I, I wouldn't mind having one of those licking pictures. <laughs> Yes, it's, um, it's quite tastefully done. Oh, well, never mind it. Grenadine <laughs> stain. I'll try soaking it in club soda. Oh, no. Oh, jeez, it's in my hair. I can't believe this. Look at that. It's in my hair. I hate this. I'll be right back. I bet it gets all spiky. <laughs> anyway, Miss Howe, I'm much obliged to you for your suggestion that I unload the South End property before the market price bottomed out. Thanks to you, I stand to turn quite a nifty little profit. You took my advice. Well, actually, Miss Howe, no. To sell when the land values are so depressed might be considered uh, insane. So I've um, done just the opposite. I'm developing the land as an exclusive urban complex. It's quite similar to something I've done on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. He talks a lot, but all I kind of got from it was, I saw a picture of you, so I've come here. The fact that Rebecca is so taken with him when Mm. he freely admitted he wasn't interested in her business acumen or interests Mm. is a subversion and motif that is duplicitous. But I'll go into that after she actually agrees to go off with him. All of this is off the back of her and Sam just agreeing that they would take a chance on it. Take a chance on each other. Take a chance on me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, <laughs> Sam seems very preoccupied and concerned about his hair and his shirt that's just been spilt drink all over. He's got grenadine all over it, John. You can't, <laughs> can't get grenadine out of a shirt. Many, many a men have tried. So he runs off out of the office, trying to pat his hair down, thinking it's going to get spiky. But meanwhile, essentially, Robin is hitting on Rebecca. Not so subtly. Like you say, he says that her idea for his uh, property was ludicrous, but he thanks her for putting attention to it so that he builds something there rather than sells it. He says, may I borrow your desk? No. To show her the plan. (laughs) Quite the proposition. (laughs) And she says, yeah, of course. And he immediately throws everything off it and then uh, sort of... What I loved is that when he slid everything off the desk, you see Kirstie Alley going... (gasps) 
<laughs> almost like a heist in a diner where they use the salt and pepper to show the heist he builds out what he's going to build there and it's a, like a elitist golf club essentially with some accommodation overlooking the golf with a, a river he's flashing the cash pretty early he is flashing the cash uh, very early on just showing all the you know andrew jackson's and abe lincoln's and all the presidents his money don't jiggle jiggle it folds <laughs> <laughs> I love a good Louis Theroux reference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he has a little chauffeur who comes in to collect him. And Rebecca's pretty, uh, what, what, what would you say? Enthralled. Infatuated and enthralled, yeah. Yeah. She is quite taken with him. He says, oh, I'm going to California. I'm going to Malibu. He's going to Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, of course, where the cop is. Rebecca goes... Oh, yeah, I could go with you. And he goes, not that I meant it was. Do you have to take me to Beverly Hills? I mean, what would I wear? And he goes, well, we could go to Rodeo Drive. And Rebecca went, all right, then. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you a little origin story about, I mean, I don't think she listens and I don't think she'll care if if I do say this. But my sister, right, we went to uh, California in the the early 2000s and she was uh, three or four years old at the time. Mm -hmm. We went to Rodeo Drive and she must have seen the purses and the dresses and things and she went, that's what I want. (laughs) Uh, She's not irresponsible with money. I will say that. But she's like, oh, I bought a new handbag. How much did it cost? 400 pounds. But why? Well, that's the thing that uh, he says to her. He says, I hope you don't mind shopping. And she says, I love to shop. And then they run out of cheers to go to Beverly Hills. They run straight past Sam, who is uh, at the bar trying to scrub out all the booze that got spilled on his clothes. Beverly Hills, that's where she wants to be, rolling like a celebrity. A little bit of Weezer. Is that, oh, it's a Weezer. Beverly Hills with Weezer. They're having a good time. <laughs> Sam's, le- Sam's left in the bar. And we get a little bit of a time jump to, I assume, maybe a week later or so. Yeah, it's about a week later. Three days, maybe? Three, four days? Sam's a bit sort of, uh, what would you say? He's a bit miffed off because they were in a position where they had agreed that they were going to start dating. Then she left to California. She, she ran off with the next person who ran through the door. If that's not a slap in the face, I don't know what is. If that's not a grenadine in the hair, I don't know what is. And uh, I think Sam's persona, or maybe his ego, uh, because he's so forthright and outright with everything that goes on in his life with the rest of the bar... They're all aware of this as well. He's the Reagan era Lothario. I think that's the three word phrase. Put that we, on a t-shirt. We, I mean, we've got a bed bubble <laughs> store. I see no reason why not. Reagan era Lothario, Sam Malone. But Sam has a, a bit of a metaphor that he uses. Uh, he likens Rebecca to a jar of peanut butter. Are you a chunky or a smooth? <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll play the clip that Sam says. Are you sure you aren't still repressing? Well, just, just a, a bit. All right, maybe a little bit. I mean, it doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, I spent three years loosening the cap on that peanut butter jar, and right yeah. now she's she's sticking to the roof of somebody else's mouth. <laughs> uh, are you a chunky or a smooth peanut butter fan? Uh, I, I like chunky. Better nuts in there. I like them both for different reasons, which I don't think would be a surprising answer. <laughs> smooth, <laughs> smooth is a is a lot more bingeable as a peanut butter, isn't it? It's mm. easier to spread. But if you're making some kind of satay-based dish, maybe, or any other peanut butter-flavored thing, I think mm. chunky is the way to go. I think chunky all day, any day, any situation. Oh, any situation. You're proposing with the jar of peanut butter. <laughs> Any situation, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Sam's a bit a bit down in the dumps. Uh, the rest of the bar are kind of jabbing at him and making fun of him a little bit about this. But Rebecca does return eventually with a sort of slightly, uh, a slightly Aubrey Hepburn vibe to it, I'd say. That's who it was. 
I was looking at her, trying to figure out who, who she reminded me of. A very sort yeah. of Breakfast at Tiffany's vibe to her. She's got a shawl, I think, a shawl. Is it a shawl? <laughs> I'm talking shawls, Sammy. Uh, <laughs> is it because of the sunglasses and the, and, and the hair? Because Audrey Hepburn, you know, she had that. And she had the cigarette on a stick, mm. didn't she? Yeah. Do, do you know what I loved about this scene, though, James? Woody was uh, genuinely happy for her. There was a lot of spite from everyone else. But Woody had genuine happiness and sincerity when she arrived to ask how she is. Did she have a good time? She showed yeah. off a bit to him, but he replied in the best of ways to whatever she said, if that makes sense. Showed genuine interest. I think this is something which Barry has said, because Barry grew up with Woody not as an idol, as, as such mm. idol on the correct word. Role model. Yeah, I was going to say role model, yeah. Because Barry was young when he saw Woody, but he saw this guy who was heartfelt and innocent while everyone around him was kind of, uh, to an extent, Machiavellian and sleazy, you know? <laughs> Except Norm. Norm just did his own thing. <laughs> if any other bar in Boston had a former Red Sox pitcher as a bartender, Norm would be there instead. You know? She says she's got rich person skin and Woody says it makes baby skin sound like sandpaper or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, just to come up with that and uh, there's sort of a slight sincerity and then when she tries to talk to Carla, Carla's having none of it and there's a slight bitterness to it. Didn't Carla say in a previous episode the thing she hates the most about rich people is that she's not one of them? You've heard the term nouveau riche. I have not. Don't assume that, James. <laughs> nouveau riche. Nouveau riche, and it's it's basically it's it's for Reese Navidas. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> I'm gonna sound like Diane here, but it means newly rich, right? Mm. And Rebecca exhibits this, where there's a certain attitude that comes from people who are newly rich mm. um, in real life, and she's admitted to this quite openly. Gwyneth Paltrow mm. was one of them. She became famous quite early on in her life and she developed a certain arrogant attitude. And her dad, who we've talked about in a bonus episode, actually, because he was one of the executive producers on St. Elsewhere, pulled her aside and went, can you calm down and rein it in? You know, just mm. chill out. She's not going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, that's what nouveau riche means, that when people are newly rich, there's this feeling and perception that they can get away with what they want. And that's a little bit of what happens. Uh, and yeah. each member of the bar deals with it in different ways. But she comes over to Sam to apologise to him. And I think he yeah. handles it well because he says, oh, don't worry, you went off really quickly, but we managed. And he made yeah. it more of a sort of... Uh, she left the role of the manager of the bar. And uh, they sort of split different ways. And then we, we cut to a different scene. And Rebecca comes into the bar and she has an urgent thing that she wants to say to Sam. Oh. Sam, I need to talk to you. Oh, what's up? Well, it's a personal thing about my relationship with Robin. I haven't told anybody, but, but I need somebody to talk to. Oh, no. He, he's married, isn't he? <laughs> no. Gay. No, no, no. Well, what is it? You can tell me. All right. I, I think it has something to do with this. But then uh, something uh, sort of out of the ordinary happens, James. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rebecca peels her face off. She, Rebecca, put your face back on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's revealed to be a dream. But before we find out it's a dream, James, who's under the face? It's Al. And at this point, yeah. I've got to ask you a question, John. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen Al and Rebecca in the same shot? Maybe. Well, if the answer is no, then maybe. <laughs> maybe it wasn't a dream. Maybe Al was Rebecca all along. I think it's um, definitely I, the writers just going, how can we fit Al in here? 
I'll tell you what though, the first time you watch this, it's quite disturbing. I was disturbed not only by what happened, but by how effectively they pulled it off for a mm. sitcom in 1989. It's done really well. Yeah, we, we don't need to unpack this too much, James, because uh, the following scene is Sam tying the bar and the rest of the bar and packing it for him, mm -hmm. uh, including the cranes who take a bit of a, a psychological approach. Do you remember anything else about the dream? Oh, man, it was the eeriest thing. I mean, it was real, you know, it was vivid, like you were, like real life. Sammy, that's a premonition dream. That means it's really gonna happen. Oh, Carter, that's an old wives' tale. I'm an old wife. <laughs> I know about these things. Rebecca is gonna tell Sammy that something ain't right between her and Daddy Big Bucks. Really? Yep. Wow. Oh, please. <laughs> well, now Carla may have a point there. Excuse me, while I was blinking, did we all just suddenly time travel back to the age of the Druids? <laughs> I'm not saying the dream was psychic, but perhaps your subconscious mind has observed something subtle between Rebecca and Robin Colcord that disturbs you. Well, I know how to find out right now. Sammy, give me some of your fingernail clippings. I'll have Madame Lazora burn them and inhale them while she's in a trance. Oh, take Lilith along. The three of you can gather around the kettle and stir. <laughs> well, doctor. With regards to dream analysis, what do your two less years of schooling tell you? Modern dream theory suggests, Sam, that dreams are not what they seem to be about at all, but rather about the dreamer himself. You have not been dreaming about Rebecca Howe and Robin Colcord. You've been dreaming about Sam Malone. <laughs> then why was it so scary? Well, perhaps. Your dreams are trying to tell you about something too frightening for your waking life. Like what? Oh, like you care. You care about Rebecca. Oh, come on, Fraser. You know me. How, how can I care about her? We haven't done the main thing I care about. Forgive me, Sam. I forgot about your high moral standards. You mean to say that you can't care about a woman unless you sleep with her first? Well, yeah. <laughs> I've got this kind of, you know, carrying mechanism that only gets switched on by a naked trip through the love zoo. You're kidding. Well, no, no, it doesn't always get switched on. I mean, sometimes I go to bed with the babe and find out I don't care, but by then, who cares? Lovely. Oh, come on, Lilith, don't get me wrong. If I do care, I'm as loyal as a dog. Dog would be the right term, yes. <laughs> care about Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, Sam, you know, Sam and I have been talking here, and uh, we came up with the, we had a third possible interpretation of that dream. Yeah, what's that? You don't want Rebecca, you want Al. <laughs> I think we can safely rule that one out. Amen. <laughs> and this is how I interpreted the dream. And maybe it gets said it's actually deeper. I'm going to expand on Norm's view. Sam thinks he wants Rebecca. Norm hypothesizes that Sam actually wants Al. Interesting. I'm going to expand upon it, John. It's a okay. twist. It might be a controversial twist, but that's why it's a twist. My interpretation of the dream. I like to interpret dreams, even though I may be wrong with many of them is that Sam thinks he wants Rebecca, 
really there's a subconscious element of Sam which is interested in men. So therefore, he was pushing the most undesirable man he could think of in place of Rebecca, hence the disgust. So he's torn. Interesting theory, Jim. Oh, I'll say now, it's not true, but it is a possible interpretation. <laughs> I'll change your interpretation slightly, because I think Al is sort of the embodiment of the bar at this point. Oh. Coach used to be, I'd say, and I think maybe it's Al as sort of longest serving regular there, is the embodiment of the bar. So what you're saying is that Rebecca, she's a fine girl. What a good wife she would be. But Sam's love, <laughs> his life and his lady is, is, is cheers. Yeah, that, that's quite a good uh, deconstruction of the dream, maybe. I prefer that one. <laughs> yeah, that's better, than, that's better than mine, yeah. What we do go following on from there is Sam and Carla have quite a good heart to heart, I'd say. Yeah. In the pool room. Where he throws a dart at Cliff. Yeah. He's in the pool room originally, quite angry, throwing darts quite angrily, uh, almost hits Cliff. And that's when Carla arrives. Uh, Diane gets a name drop. Carla screams. And uh, what, what the realisation is for Sam is that he uh, does actually care for Rebecca. Through talking to Carla, he realises maybe that's all he needs to say to Rebecca because maybe all she's been looking for is someone to tell her that they care about her. Which I think is, you know, it's it's a good realisation. I think it's kind of true to the characters at, at this point. But Sam thinks it's ridiculous because he hasn't done what he considers the only reason to care about a woman. There's a Billy Connolly joke. In order to feel love, men need to have sex. In order to have sex, women need to feel loved. So the simple act of continuing the species relies on one of us lying to the other. It's, it's fair. It's, it's Sam has the same outlook, you know? He does. Uh, but I'd say up until this point, this is a turning point for him, I'd say. And he goes into Rebecca's office to tell her this. Do you want something, Sam? Um, yes, I... Uh, um, there's something I want to tell you. Um, uh, I'm sorry I haven't told you this sooner, but I haven't realised this myself till just now. And if I don't tell you now, I may miss the opportunity. Sweetheart. Oh, Rebecca, I just wanted to tell you that I care for you. Very, very deeply. someone say that? <laughs> and it kind of takes the wind out of Sam's sails because he has nothing left to say. As Rebecca says, that's all I've ever wanted to hear from someone. Ah, uh, that compassionate English prat <laughs> coming in, <laughs> caring about people. How dare he? <laughs> Just as Sam has given up, he hears something that Rebecca says. I mean, he can care about a woman even when he hasn't gone to... Gone to what? <laughs> Nothing. You two haven't gone to... Paris or Taiwan or any other place where young lovers go. You two haven't gone to bed together. We have too. Many, many times. And it was fantastic. We moved the earth. <laughs> His wooden leg didn't bother you? He has a wooden leg? I knew it! I knew it! 
With this realization, Sam is elated. Yeah, because Sam's realized he can give something that Robin has not. Through this, he feels like he's got a chance. Very immature way, he just starts saying me a lot and singing me because he yeah, feels well, he is the reason that they, that she hasn't done it yet. Of course, I know why you didn't go to bed with him because every time you're with Mr. Wonderful, you're thinking, I should really be with my dream man, me. Wrong! The timing just wasn't right. Yeah, because of me. No, because of circumstance. Circumstances named me. Shut up. Me. Not you. Not him. <laughs> All right, if you want to know why, Mr. Smarty Pants. Uh, you know, isn't it funny how whenever you think of me, the word pants pops out of your mouth? <laughs> for a very good reason. Me. No, me! Maybe because I haven't been to bed with a man in so long that it will probably be so crummy that he'll leave me. And then I'll be stuck right back where I was. If memory serves me, that would be with... Me, me, me. <laughs> And there's a knock at the door, and this is a tried and tested joke in Cheers, where she'll snap at whoever's behind the door. It's always revealed to be poor Woody, who gets the brunt of whatever whatever <laughs> anger's been built in Rebecca. Yeah, Woody does pop his, uh, pop his head through the door, and Rebecca's annoyed at all these people popping their head through the office door. But uh, I think there was one person she wasn't annoyed with, and that was uh, Miles, the valet, who was played by uh, Webster Williams, John. He also appeared in The Terminator, You Talking to Me, Freddy's Nightmares, Columbo, Harry and the Hendersons, Murder, She Wrote, Melrose Place, George and Leo, NCIS, Grey's Anatomy, and many more. We also had Valerie Hartman as Marie. She also appeared in Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, Intimate Obsession, and Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor. Behind the scenes, she was the raccoon wrangler, which is a, a great job, on, uh, on Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. We also had B.B. Newirth as Dr. Lilith Sternen, Roger Reese as Robin Colcord, Al Rosen as Al, and Philip Pullman is uncredited as Phil. What a lineup of characters. As a two-part, you know, it's been quite a solid introduction to season eight, James. I think so, yeah. I think uh, the introduction of Robin Colcord has added some well-needed uh, jeopardy and a, a slight sort of, uh, not a villain necessary, but definitely a counterpart to Sam in, in this season, which I think was not lacking in the last season, but there wasn't that tension, I guess. There's there's definitely a love triangle going on here. Mm. And in, the, in season seven, there wasn't. Season six, there was. Season six was the introduction to Rebecca. We got to know about how she was, you know, aspiring both in career and romance. Uh, season seven, they had a gap, but season eight, I think they have started to actually develop that. Well, that's the trivia bell, and we've got some lovely trivia today, James, but do you want to kick it off with a question? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, thank you, Cliff, for these... From, from Beverly Hills. She tried to tell me about Beverly Hills facts. Anyway, uh, I have... I am... <laughs> I have three questions here. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Rebecca name drops many of Colcord's projects, but what are they? Uh, Colcord Investments, yeah. Colcord Foundation of the Arts, yeah. and Colcord Plaza on Fifth Avenue. He likes Ooh. his name. It's a good name. It's also very similar to Concord, so I think uh, 
And very similar to Coltrane as well. In this episode, Woody's been making a map to log all the places that uh, Colcord has been taken, Rebecca. But what was wrong with his map, James? <laughs> the the landmarks were marked with uh, peanuts, weren't they? Mm. And uh, Norm had been eating them. He ate uh, La Jolla, yep. uh, which, which didn't help. Next question. What is Carla's suggestion for interpreting Sam's dream? Uh, that I can't remember. That, that something's wrong with Rebecca and... He's right. She suggests that they should clip Sam's fingernails so Madame de Zora uh, can inhale them <laughs> in a trance. It could work. That's the last call then, James. And what yeah. an episode it's been. The second part to this two-part opener for the season eight. But we've got to come up with a drink. Well, well, I'm thinking, John, you know, we're, we're thinking uh, something fabulous, something a bit more expensive, a bit more, you know, out there maybe. How about a Beverly Hills iced tea? Tell me more, James. What's in this iced tea? Oh, you got gin, vodka, triple sec. It's like, it's very much like a regular iced tea, you know? But it's uh, from Beverly Hills, so... <laughs> well, that seems like a good pairing for this episode. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll lift our Beverly Hills cocktails. What should we toast, James? To a possible new romance or a romance triangle for this season? I think so. I'm intrigued by Robin Colcord. I'm going to say this now, James. I'm pretty confident Roger Reese will be a guest of honour on our newsletter. And that's our monthly newsletter, which you can get through Patreon if you support us over there. We've also got bonus episodes. And uh, if you go for one of the topper tiers, you can become a norm. And we'll give you a call out in every episode. But until next time, James, this has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Kicking off season eight with this two-parter in style. <laughs>